The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Coaching can help you gain deeper understanding of challenges that may be holding you back. You may not realize that there are others who may be successful and operating successful businesses who share some of the same challenges that you are facing. Welcome to Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. Our program will look into the individuals and their challenges and show how the coaching process may be what they need to find the root causes of these challenges within themselves and learn to work through these challenges in order to find success. Now, here's your host, Ronald Graves. Hello and welcome to Coaching for Real, brought to you by Poema Leadership Institute, a show that brings you real people, real challenges, and real breakthrough. Again, I'm your host, Ronald Graves, and this show is about you. Coaching for Real is on the Voice America Business Channel to help you discover your masterpiece and live into your greatness. Let's look at the word coach for just a minute. The word coach is used to describe a number of different people. There are sports coaches, life coaches, business coaches, performance coaches, executive coaches, and many more. Why do these people call what they do coaching instead of, say, teaching, or training, or leading, or consulting, or even mentoring? What do these people all have in common? You see, we spent most of our lives learning from others through different media, such as books, classrooms, computers, radio, television, the internet, and face-to-face conversations. And those people who fill the role of teacher, author, trainer, manager, leader, consultant, mentor, and so on. And that's all good because every one of us should be learning and growing every day. And there's an unlimited amount of knowledge to be found all around us. But for the challenges you're currently facing in your life and in your business, there is one source of answers other than God that is far superior to what can be found in the world of knowledge. And that source is you. Let me explain. First and foremost, it's important to understand that you were created to be great. There is a masterpiece, a poema, within your DNA that is just waiting to be discovered. And that is precisely what coaching is all about. Unlike teachers, consultants, managers, and mentors who are all very important, a coach enables you to develop a greater sense of self-awareness so you can see your challenges from an entirely new perspective and then draw upon your internal greatness to reach the next level. Coaching introduces you to who you are. It makes the unconscious conscious. Coaches are unique because they do not bring you the answers, because they know that the best answers don't come from them or in the world around you. They lie within you. So what about you? How are you addressing that big challenge that's staring you in the face, that mountain that's standing in your way? What if you could see that obstacle from an entirely new perspective? from a level of consciousness that you never realized you could reach. How important would that be to you? Now, before I introduce our guest, I have something new for everyone. 
Beginning with this show, each week I'll be offering a free one-hour coaching session to one of our listeners. All you have to do to win is send me an email at ronald at ronaldgraves.com and type the word register in the subject line and your name will go on the drawing. You can have the opportunity to discover the first steps for breaking through your biggest challenge. Right now, those steps are hidden like a buried treasure just waiting to be uncovered. So register today at ronald at ronaldgraves.com for a chance to win your free one-hour coaching session. Today, our special guest is John Vespasian. John is the author of eight books about rational living, including When Everything Fails, Try This, 2009, Rationality is the Way to Happiness, 2009, The Philosophy of Builders, How to Build a Great Future with the Pieces from Your Past, 2010, The Ten Principles of Rational Living, 2012, Rational Living, Rational Working, How to Make Winning Moves When Things Are Falling Apart, 2013, On Becoming Unbreakable, How Normal People Become Extraordinarily Self-Confident, 2015, Thriving in Difficult Times, 12 Lessons from Ancient Greece to Improve Your Life Today, 2016, and today's featured book, Consistency, The Key to Permanent Stress Relief, 2014. So welcome, John. Hi, um, uh, Ronald. Thanks for having me on your show. All right. How are you tonight? Very well. I'm um, eager to, uh, to talk to you. I like very much what you said about uh, training and learning, and learning and training, because it's really fundamental, and it's really the, the whole purpose of, uh, of my books. And I think the whole purpose of uh, philosophy, psychology, and uh, personal development. All right. Thank you for being on our show. I'd like to take you back just a little bit, John. I'd like to um, go back as far as you would like and kind of take us through your journey up to the point where you published your first book in 2009. Well, um, I started to write um, uh, while I was developing a commercial career. And uh, the reason why I started to write books, which is quite um, a heavy undertaking, uh, it's basically out of uh, frustration, dissatisfaction. I started to um, to suspect at a certain point that the books I was reading, uh, books about uh, personal development, psychology, philosophy, uh, they were not uh, very realistic. They were not very practical. And uh, I started to write uh, the kind of books I wanted to read, which are books uh, based on facts, uh, based on history, uh, based on real cases, I'm very much uh, practical, and this is why I started to write. And uh, since 2008, uh, I have been writing uh, one book per year. Okay, tell me how you get your research for your books, because you say you do it on history and you do it on uh, facts. So, how do you go about doing research? Well, um, the research uh, comes before the books because I read um, a huge amount of books. I, I'm a very um, constant, um, voracious reader. I read all kinds of stuff. Uh, psychology, history, uh, news, uh, finance, uh, marketing. I mean, I read all kinds of books, and I take notes uh, continuously. So I have uh, accumulated through the years uh, a, a huge amount of notes uh, on different subjects. So when I want to write my next book, uh, I just uh, go back to my notes, and I put the book together. So it's a process that runs uh, all the time. 
I'm a very curious person. I, I, um, I listen to podcasts, I read books, I read uh, articles, I read magazines. So the research uh, process is always ongoing. It is only that uh, when I'm going to write the next book, I just focus on some specific uh, notes, and then I, I deepen the research in order to be, to be able to write the book. Okay, you've written, you've written books on different topics, and you know, none of your books really kind of follow the same thing other than, you know, kind of the, the rational living theme. But, but when, you, when you're getting ready to write another, a new book, what, how do you decide what topic you want to write on? Uh, for me, um, the the books I write are based on the, um, what I find most painful at this moment. And I remember when I wrote uh, the book about stress, uh, this is something that uh, I have been trying to, uh, to improve myself on uh, for years. So I made a, a very detailed research about uh, the different theories, the different therapies, uh, the different uh, remedies. And I look at uh, many biographies of people who have been very stressed and who have found solutions. So in the end, um, I focus on the, on the point, on the problem that uh, at a certain point I find most pressing. And I try to, uh, to write uh, very practical, specific prescriptions uh, based on different uh, history, um, different biographies, so that people can compare themselves and can draw uh, the lessons from the past. Okay. Let's go back to your first book in 2009. How many years of notes did you have when you started out with your first book? And when did you start taking these notes? Uh, the first book uh, was fiction, was a novel. And um, I had a lot of notes because uh, the novel is about uh, cancer, uh, cancer research. And it's a theme that I've been reading a lot through the years. Uh, not I, uh, that I was uh, sick myself, but um, I had several friends uh, who were affected. And um, I'm, I was familiar with the treatments. I was familiar with, uh, with also with the psychological um, aspects of, uh, of uh, a severe sickness. So um, I took uh, four days of holidays and I sat down to write uh, this book, um, which is a, a novel about uh, cancer and personal development. And uh, within four weeks, I have uh, the first draft ready. And then it took me uh, seven months uh, to edit uh, the manuscript until it was uh, ready for publication. Okay. Is that time frame, you're saying four weeks and followed by seven months, is that, is that time frame pretty consistent for the rest of your books, or have you, have you been able to cut that um, back a little bit? Yeah, I have cut a lot uh, the editing, uh, because I get, uh, I mean, with each uh, year, uh, hopefully I get a, lit, a little bit better at writing. I don't have to edit so much, but uh, I have not been able so far to reduce the production time uh, under one year. Now, maybe it might be 11 months. But uh, my goal for the future is to become more efficient, uh, to be able to write uh, better and to write uh, without need of so much editing. But uh, it's always a struggle. No matter how much I prepare, uh, I always spend uh, a lot of time trying to, uh, to make my sentences uh, easy to read, uh, that uh, they flow very, very easily. And this seems very simple, but uh, it takes a lot of effort, huh? All right. Let's talk about you know once you've got your books published and people are reading them. Do you do you um, you get a lot of feedback from your readers on you know how they like the book, what you can improve? Do you use some of that uh, moving forward? Uh, yes, I do. I have uh, I have a free newsletter uh, where the where many readers uh, subscribe to, um, either past readers or future readers, and they they send me emails very often. 
saying, okay, I like this, I think this is very interesting, how do you solve this problem? So it happens um, very often, but uh, I have to say that I'm mostly a writer. I don't do um, uh, public speaking. I mean, I'm very, very, very unusual that I do that because I have no time, and uh, I really don't do any um, uh, one-to-one coaching. So um, it's very, very good for me to interact with readers, but basically I try to answer the questions uh, in the next book. Okay. Kind of change gears just a little bit on you here. Now in your, in your vast material, there's a handful of themes that I would like you to expand on for just the next few minutes. I'll read one of these at a time, and you can talk about them however you would like. I'll start with first one here. Why Mind Hacks delivers little or no benefits in the long term? Well, um, when you have uh, these tricks and these mind hacks that um, they are so popular on the Internet because you get uh, these uh, three steps to do this and how to, uh, to improve your day in five minutes. I mean, this kind of um, uh, short-term advice um, is very difficult uh, to get uh, long-term improvement uh, because the only way to, uh, to become more effective and to become... Uh, less stress, to become uh, more efficient, uh, more focused, is basically to change the patterns of thinking in your mind. And this is something that, um, in my experience, it takes a, a lot of work. Uh, it's like um, curing a stress or anxiety or depression. It requires a change of mentality. And this can be achieved um, in a few weeks, in a few months. If you are really, uh, if you push uh, very hard, it could be achieved conceivably in a few days. I, I, it's very rare. I, I, it takes at least a few weeks. And um, uh, these uh, tricks and mind hacks, they can help you uh, with little things uh, for one or two days. They can improve uh, maybe your effectiveness in one specific point, but they will not change your philosophy. To change your philosophy and to change your lifestyle uh, takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of repetition and takes a lot of thinking. And this is why, in my, in my experience, uh, the best way to have a permanent change, either you have a coach uh, and you talk to the coach every week and then you follow up, or otherwise uh, you read books um, which are very practical and, and then you have to really read the stories and you have to get familiar with the stories and you have to go back to the stories uh, many times until they actually... Um, they get into your mind and they become uh, new thinking patterns. And this is something that uh, human beings, uh, we are very uh, reluctant to change because we have our patterns. So it is not easy to, uh, to change. And certainly, uh, if you have these uh, little tricks, um, they can create the illusion of change, but uh, in practice, uh, they will not have a lot of um, long-term uh, effect. Well, you talked about having to go back and read through it several times in order to continue to, you know, the reinforcement part. Is that, does that apply to your books as well? That the, the things you talk about in your books, it's, it's good to go back and keep reading them to, in order to make them effective in your life? Um, well, not necessarily to read uh, many times, but the, the principles uh, that go through my books, um, they are, I would say, consistent in that they are complementary. Uh, if you read a story about, I mean, how people choose a profession, how they make mistakes, how to choose a, a partner, I mean, a romantic partner, uh, how to develop a successful career, the patterns that uh, we find in history are very similar, but uh, the context of each story is different. 
and I tell stories about uh, about artists, about um, uh, actors, about uh, business people, about uh, uh, writers and, and painters, and all kinds of stories in different contexts, so that you can see the patterns emerging, and you can actually say, okay, when this happens to me, immediately I will know what to do, because I have read these stories, and I know that uh, I can prevent uh, this mistake. And this is something that only comes through, uh, through repetition when you're familiar with the stories. This is why uh, human beings, uh, we like stories so much, because this is the way we learn. Uh, we usually learn uh, new patterns and new values and new ideas and new uh, ways when we actually hear stories. And then we forget uh, the story, but we keep the principle. I understand that. I, re- I realize that because if you if you look at the most successful speakers, and you said you don't do you don't go on speaking tours and do public speaking, but if you look at the most successful speakers, they're all storytellers. Um, you know, they could you know two thirds of what they're talking about could be stories, and the rest could just be factual information. But that's how people that's how they get people to 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 leave their speaking engagement um, with a lot of you know remembering what they heard. And that's, like you say, it's very, very effective to do that in, in, uh, with stories. Uh, yeah, let, me, let me just uh, tell you a little story. Um, okay. Because uh, in, my, in my books, uh, I not only uh, present uh, successful principles, but I also present uh, unsuccessful principles. And okay. for instance, uh, one thing that I particularly like is to take a story that everybody knows and try to, to, um, to tell the little details that uh, they are not so, uh, so well known. For instance, um, I tell the story in one of my books, the story of Confucius was uh, a, an ancient uh, Chinese philosopher. Uh, and everybody knows uh, some quotations of Confucius because he wrote, uh, he wrote a lot of stuff. But uh, not many people know that uh, Confucius spent uh, 10 years of his life uh, going around China uh, from city to city trying to, uh, to preach uh, his theories. Uh, he spent uh, those 10 years uh, really uh, quite miserably uh, going from place to place and sleeping uh, in, um, in rented accommodation. And in the end, after those 10 years, uh, he realized uh, he had been a complete failure because he had been trying wow. to, uh, to preach his, uh, his theories to people and nobody wanted to listen to him. So in the end, he went back to his village and he stayed there uh, until his death. And his disciples uh, wrote his stories. But the story is fascinating because we now um, find Confucius such a wise, uh, profound, uh, deep mm. thinker. But uh, you have to realize that um, this is uh, quite uh, often not the case, that people who are around and who uh, are in contact with a particular person very often will um, underappreciate uh, his message. So for me, this is very important to realize that uh, you really have to go uh, to the market that will listen to your stories and uh, sometimes uh, it takes time to find the market, but you should not waste your time going around trying to preach uh, people to people that uh, have no interest in your story. Good. Good point. Now, we're getting to our first commercial break, so I'm going to take a break right here. When we return, John and I will continue with this, this theme, a uh, very important story there about Confucius. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Coaching for Real on the Voice America Business Channel. us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
Imagine a relationship where you're asked to think rather than being told what to think. A relationship that is focused on your potential, not your performance. This is coaching, a designed alliance where the single purpose is achieving your intended outcome. Discover that what lies behind you and what lies before you are trivial matters compared to what lies within you. Understand that your current realities do not define your potential. They are merely your current awareness of your potential. Become your own hero. Your greatest possibilities lie beneath your current level of self-awareness. Waiting to be discovered. Choose to live into the greatness that God created for you. Discover the magnitude of what's within you so you can conquer the magnitude of what surrounds you. Your coach is passionate about helping you achieve your masterpiece at RonaldGraves.com. Again, that's RonaldGraves.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also choose to send an email to ronald at ronaldgraves.com. Now, back to Coaching for Real. Welcome back. Before we continue with our guest, I want to let you know that my Nuggets of Leadership MP3 program is available for download absolutely free of charge to every one of our listeners. You can have all seven leadership lessons in the palm of your hand. Simply click on the Nuggets of Leadership banner at the top of this show page in order to order your free download. Plus, there's a special bonus awaiting you that will take your leadership to a whole new level. Now, we've been talking to John Pospostian, author of eight books about rational living. And John, when we took our break, we were discussing, I was talking about some of the handful of themes throughout your books. I only really got to the first one, so I want to uh, cover the other ones here for a few minutes. Let's go with number two, which is, and you talked about this a little bit in the answer to question one, or statement one, and that is you talked about long-term change and long-term effectiveness. So my question, the crucial importance of identifying our lifetime goals. Talk about that, please. Yes, um, uh, this is something where I diverge uh, from most um, um, personal development authors because when you get uh, nowadays uh, a coach or a personal development book or a philosophy book, uh, most of the time uh, you are going to get the advice that you, you must have some goals, uh, you have to write them down and then you have to make a plan and you have to try to, uh, to achieve those goals. And this is perfectly fine if you know the goals and you can figure them out. But the problem is that uh, for most people, this is uh, almost mission impossible. Because um, sometimes uh, you have just too many problems, uh, you have um, uh, a very complex uh, situation, and you're not able to figure out exactly what you do or what you want to do. And this, uh, 
this is a situation that uh, you don't find uh, very often in, in this kind of books. People don't discuss the situation, but it happens, I would say, to the great majority of people that uh, they are not uh, able to identify clear goals. And this is a situation that I really address in my books because it happens very often. So what do you do in this situation? I think um, uh, when you look at history and you look at uh, many biographies of successful and successful people, um, surprisingly enough, uh, you don't find a lot of people with goals. What you find all the time is uh, people who have a very strong uh, sense of direction. And they want to go in a certain direction because they like something, because they are curious, uh, because they enjoy something, because they have ambitions, and they want to do something. They want to do a business, or they want to do a painting, or they want to do something, but they don't know exactly what to do. And this happens uh, all the time. You will very rarely find someone who is uh, 20 years old and say, I want to be a CEO of General Electric. Uh, this is only a fantasy that you find in movies. In real life, uh, people get an idea of more or less what they want to do, uh, the kind of uh, path they want to follow, and I think it's wise to realize that uh, this is good enough. It's more than good enough. If you get a strong sense of direction and you say, I want to do something, then it must be um, a question of time, of trial and error, uh, trying different approaches, trying different strategies, trying different markets, until you eventually find uh, exactly uh, what you want to do. And this is, I think, a much more realistic approach uh, to goal setting. I would call it uh, direction setting. I think it's much more realistic uh, for most people because if you try to, uh, to get goals and you are not able to find them, you might get anxious and depressed. I cannot find any goals. I cannot find any goals. And this is because many, many very often in life, uh, it is not easy to do. Huh? I see. <coughs> let, me, let me ask you... As, as you're on this theme here, what about passion? I mean, the people who kind of follow their passion, is that, does that go along with this theme you were just talking about on long-term long -term goals or lifetime goals, following our desire or our heart or our passion? Yes, uh, if you don't have a passion, it's, uh, it's great. But uh, if you don't have a passion, you might have an interest. You might have uh, an area you find uh, interesting. You might, find, you might be curious about it. And this is good enough. I mean, passion is fantastic, but um, not everybody is able to develop uh, a passion at a certain point, sometimes because uh, you come from a school that was so boring and so um, um, oppressive that uh, you have lost basically your interest in, uh, in reading or your interest in learning. And unfortunately, this is the case of uh, many people who, who go through the education, um, uh, formal education, and uh, they found it so um, uh, unpleasant or so boring that uh, they lose their curiosity. And sometimes it takes years uh, to regain that curiosity and to start uh, going in a new direction. And, and then um, after t 10 years, you find people reading the same uh, textbooks they never read at school, and they find it fascinating because they have developed uh, a new insight. So this is, this is human life, and we have to be realistic about uh, goal setting. Uh, we have to see it in a flexible way and I think it's much more important to find the direction, to find something you like, and eventually you will develop a passion. Okay, good. Thank you. Now, the next statement I'm going to ask you, and this is, uh, this kind of goes against what most people, some people preach, and that is, warning, unbridled positive thinking can severely mess up your life. Yes, and this is uh, absolutely, um, uh, I would say, counterintuitive, uh, especially for, uh, for Americans, because I think you get uh, positive thinking. It's so 
ingrained in, in the culture that uh, it seems like an absolute truth. But uh, let me just point out, uh, Ronald, that uh, you know, on the, in the USA, uh, there are 50 million people on medication for depression and anxiety. And it's not that these people are not uh, positive enough. I think uh, most of them want to be positive. But the problem is that uh, when you have uh, positive thinking as a, as a philosophy for your life, uh, it is very easy to become unrealistic, uh, to become um, uh, delusional, to become um, too much uh, adept uh, to, uh, to wishful thinking. And then it's very easy to crash uh, when you actually get disappointed. So positive thinking can be very dangerous because you might be going in the wrong direction and you might be making mistake after mistake. And if you lose the contact to reality, if you lose uh, your ability to, um, to perceive reality, to make uh, rational decisions, uh, positive thinking can, can be very dangerous. And this is why, I mean, I just wrote an article on my blog um, uh, yesterday uh, explaining that uh, to be optimistic is great, but it should be based on a plan, should be based on facts, should be based on, on, a, on a clear sense of direction, because if you just uh, make yourself artificially optimistic, uh, you are doing yourself a great disservice. Makes perfect sense. All right, next one. How consistency maximizes our ability to detect and seize opportunities? Yes, um, consistency is something I, I devoted uh, I devoted the whole book uh, to this um, to this uh, virtue, to this uh, habit, because uh, the problem why uh, we get so stressed and we get so uh, sometimes depressed, sometimes uh, indecisive, uh, we are unable to actually to move in the right direction is because uh, we try to do too many things. We try to chase uh, too many rabbits. Uh, we want to go into opposite directions. We want to be um, uh, everywhere. And this is something that uh, it is, um, I would say part of human nature, uh, because we are, to a certain extent, we are animals, we want to be alert, we want to, to go around, we want to, to, uh, to find uh, new interesting things, but if you want to get something done, especially something which is um, uh, complex, uh, ambitious, and, and something you want to achieve in the long term, you want to, to become successful in your area, in your direction, uh, then uh, you have to push yourself to be consistent. And this is uh, something that uh, for most people is not self-evident. Um, certainly it was never self-evident for me uh, because we want to, to spread in all directions. We want to go and to do too many things. And when you become consistent and you say, okay, this is my direction. This is what I want to do. This is the area I want to, uh, to develop myself into. Then you actually get uh, to see many opportunities that otherwise you will never see because your attention is distracted. And you can have uh, different people looking at the same situation, at the same circumstances, and some people will be able to find opportunities and they will be able to find uh, ideas, and other people will look at the same situation and they will not be able to see anything because they are, their um, uh, mental attitude is very different because they just don't care, because they are not interested, because uh, they find it boring. And if you really have uh, a clear a consistent uh, direction in your life and say, I want to develop in this, uh, in this way, then you will be able to close uh, your attention to other areas and to focus on this particular, uh, particular area. And then you will be able to find uh, opportunities that are not um, uh, self-evident to the rest of the population. 
the one word that comes to me as you were going through that explanation is getting sidetracked. And we, you know, we are bombarded from every direction, from media, from everything in life, um, with all this different information. It's, it seems to me like it's very easy for us to lose our consistency because there's just so much information coming in and we continually get sidetracked. Um, is, that, is, that a, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, this is a fair assessment, but I don't think it's, um, it's something that uh, you can say it's only the 21st century. Actually, it was always like this. It is only that now it's a different, uh, we have different technologies because we have uh, smartphones, we have uh, RSS readers, and we have uh, blogs, and we have all this kind of uh, access. But it was always there. I mean, people got always distracted uh, with conversations, with hobbies, uh, with video games, with uh, all kinds of stories. And um, this is human nature. I mean, the people make, uh, we make today in the 21st century, essentially, uh, the same mistakes that people made uh, five centuries, uh, 20 centuries ago, because uh, human nature has not, uh, has not changed. And uh, let me just give you an example. Uh, look, one of the, one of the most famous uh, painters in, um, in Mexico um, ever, his name was Diego Rivera, and this was a guy who, uh, who was a, totally, a total disaster because um, he, uh, he wanted to, uh, to become an artist uh, since he was uh, basically 50 years old. He went to school, then he got a scholarship to go to Paris uh, to learn some uh, painting from the masters. Uh, when he went there, he, uh, he tried, I tell you, he tried all possible directions. He copied uh, Impressionist, uh, he copied Surrealist, he tried everything possible to, to find his way, and he didn't manage to sell one single painting. So he was completely discouraged. He said, I want to move in this direction, but I really don't find a niche. Uh, so he was going to go back to Mexico completely uh, discouraged and disappointed to find, to find a job. And when he went back to Mexico, uh, he made uh, a little detour, and he went to, uh, to, um, to Florence uh, for a week. Uh, before returning to Mexico. And when he was in Florence, he, he started to look around. He went to the churches. Uh, he saw the, the paintings of the Renaissance. And then he got an idea. said, oh, I like these paintings that are so big on the walls, um, this fresco technique that was um, something that they did in the, in the 12th century. Uh, he started to take a look at it. He found it very appealing because nobody else was doing that. And he took the trouble to figure out how to do it. He spent uh, one week in a monastery uh, talking to people how they actually uh, have made these paintings. And when he went back to Mexico, uh, he said, okay, why not? Let me try if I can do this. So he started to, to uh, get uh, a very small commission uh, to paint the school. Uh, he painted the walls of the school uh, with big paintings that look like, uh, like comic strips. They look like uh, Spider-Man. Or, um, and then um, he used these bright colors. He was a bit like um, really uh, something very unusual. And people went to the school to look at these big paintings on the wall and say, wow, this is amazing. We've never seen anything like this. And within two years, uh, Diego Rivera became the greatest uh, painter in, um, in Mexico. He started to get commissions uh, to paint uh, public buildings, to paint... Um, uh, uh, cathedrals. I mean, he painted everywhere. In the end, he got commissions in New York. He got commissions in San Francisco and became really a very wealthy artist. I think one of the best um, painters in Latin America in the, in the 20th century. And the, the, the moral from the story is that uh, this guy, he knew his direction, but he didn't know um, exactly how to do it. 
because it was so difficult to, uh, to find a way to, to become a successful uh, artist. So he did the right thing. He followed his direction. He followed his consistent um, uh, interest, but he tried different things and he, until he eventually he stumbled um, on, the, on the right solution. And this is in my experience uh, by, by reading many biographies and a lot of history. In my experience, this is how people become successful. Uh, they don't have a magic formula. They follow their direction consistently, and eventually they find opportunities that uh, other people uh, are not able to see. So I guess one of the themes would be, as, as you're talking through this, one of the themes would be don't give up. Um, yes, uh, I would say it's trial and error. I mean, you just followed your direction, and uh, I know. Imagine someone wants to be a coach, and uh, he tries to find uh, customers, and he cannot find uh, too many, and he tries different approaches, and eventually he finds a strategy um, that became, becomes very successful because he finds uh, the right niche. And this happens to everybody. I think almost everybody who's become successful. Uh, there is no magic formula. But uh, you have to be consistent in your direction because otherwise uh, you will not be able to, uh, to hold on until you find the solution. Excellent. Well, we've got just a couple of minutes left before our next break. So what I want to do when we get back on the other side of the break is I want to get into the book that is uh, our uh, theme for today. And that's the book Consistency, the Key to Permanent Stress Relief, uh, which... Uh, John wrote in 2014. So we get back, I will start, and I'm going to go through the, some of the common or some of the major ideas in that book and have him kind of explain those to us and expand on those. So we're approaching our final commercial break. When we return, as I said, we will be with uh, John Vespasian and talk about his book on consistency and how to relieve our stress. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Coaching for Real on the Voice America Business Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Imagine a relationship where you're asked to think rather than being told what to think. A relationship that is focused on your potential, not your performance. This is coaching, a designed alliance where the single purpose is achieving your intended outcome. Discover that what lies behind you and what lies before you are trivial matters compared to what lies within you. Understand that your current realities do not define your potential. They are merely your current awareness of your potential. Become your own hero. Your greatest possibilities lie beneath your current level of self-awareness, waiting to be discovered. Choose to live into the greatness that God created for you. Discover the magnitude of what's within you so you can conquer the magnitude of what surrounds you. Your coach is passionate about helping you achieve your masterpiece at RonaldGraves.com. Again, that's RonaldGraves.com. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
is Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also choose to send an email to ronald at ronaldgraves.com. Now, back to Coaching for Real. Hello, we're back with John Vespasian, author of eight books uh, on on relational living. And in this last segment here, I want to focus on today's book. We're going to focus on the book, Consistency, the Key to Permanent Stress Relief. And I don't know anybody who wouldn't like to relieve a little stress right now in their lives. So, so what are some of the things that we can do when our problems start to overwhelm us? Well, um, the first thing um, I always recommend, um, always also to myself, I have to say, um, when you're facing a situation where you have um, uh, challenges in different areas, uh, you have uh, pressing problems, you have um, uh, health problems, relationship problems, uh, professional problems, uh, the first uh, piece of advice that I think is uh, applicable to everybody is that before you solve the problem, very often what you have to do is to stabilize the situation. Uh, in other words, you have to, uh, to stop the bleeding. And this is something that is very counterintuitive because when we are facing um, 20 different problems, we start to, uh, to panic. Uh, we want to do everything at the same time and we want to, uh, to address the problems immediately. But very often this is not wise. Uh, very often the best strategy uh, is to stabilize the situation, to stop the bleeding, uh, to get to a, to a kind of a stability where you can actually survive and you can actually keep uh, living uh, without collapsing and then to start addressing the problems uh, one by one. Because um, unless you reach some kind of stability, some kind of uh, sustainable situation, uh, you have a risk of collapsing completely because you might be trying to fix uh, your relationships and then your, your, uh, your job uh, become a mess, or you might try to fix your health, but then you have problems with your job and relationships, so everything is linked to everything. So the first thing you have to do is to, to, to get a situation which is sustainable, which might uh, require uh, maybe to work uh, fewer hours and to try to, uh, to recover your health little by little, but you have to get uh, a daily plan, a daily um, sustainable situation, and uh, this requires some creativity but uh, first, you have to stop the bleeding. You have to stop uh, the situation from getting worse because otherwise um, you will become more and more stressed, you will become anxious, you will become depressed, and eventually you will collapse. So stability, some kind of minimum stability, this is the first uh, requirement. Uh, after that, uh, you can start building on that and you can start uh, addressing the problems one by one because uh, without the stability, some minimum stability, um, it's very difficult to sustain uh, any kind of uh, effort and it's very difficult to implement uh, any kind of solution. Okay, let's, let's say we got to the point of stability now. I mean, we've got, you said to address the problems one by one. Is there a, talk to us about the process of deciding which problem to deal with first, once you get stable. Well, uh, once you get stable, um, uh, always you have to address uh, your health, uh, in the first place. And this is something that um, uh, in this uh, time and age, um, we are very reluctant to do because, and let me explain this because it's absolutely um, uh, counterintuitive. 
Look, uh, we live in a, in a time in the 21st century where we believe um, uh, that uh, we can take care of our health by, by taking uh, medication, by doing uh, specific treatments that are very much um, uh, mathematically oriented because you go to the physician and say, oh, I have this uh, headache, uh, what can I do? And they give you some pills and they say, okay, you take this uh, in the morning and in the afternoon uh, and then you will be okay within two weeks. And this kind of um, uh, approach uh, is very dangerous because uh, one thing that I have learned uh, in my books is that uh, 99% uh, of um, health conditions, they come from uh, from a wrong lifestyle. And when you have uh, different problems, the first thing you have to, to look at is your lifestyle and how it impacts your health. Because if you lose your health, uh, you lose everything. It doesn't matter if you have uh, a good job and good relationships, you have to take care of your health. And this is the first priority you need to address in any case. And um, I always uh, present in my books different uh, approaches uh, to lifestyle. In my last uh, book, I have, uh, my latest book, I have researched uh, extensively ancient uh, Greek medicine, Hippocrates, and try to present uh, to readers uh, easy and inexpensive um, solutions that they can apply in their lives. And uh, this is the first step uh, to become, I would say, more effective and more consistent because uh, if you just get spread uh, too thin and you have to try to address too many problems, uh, don't you believe that by taking a couple of pills, uh, you're going to fix your health uh, in the long term? You might get lost. You, you might get rid of this particular uh, headache, but uh, it will come back. Because if your lifestyle is wrong, uh, eventually you will harm yourself. And this is something that uh, nobody wants to hear, that you have to change your lifestyle. But this, I think, is the, always the first priority. Get a lifestyle which is sustainable, which is going to protect your health, and then you can build on that. Thank you. Great advice. In your chapter about dealing with financial stress, you talk about a powerful method that has been practiced for centuries. Can you reveal this to us? Yes. Um, this is something that um, I find uh, very intriguing. Uh, because when you look at uh, the lives of people who have become financially very successful, uh, you find uh, many principles that are totally um, counterintuitive. And let me just give you an example. Uh, one of the, the problems we have uh, in business or in, uh, in, uh, in our profession is that uh, we're very reluctant uh, to throw things away. Because if you have built uh, an organization or you have built uh, a marketing system or you have built a, a professional practice, uh, we don't want to, uh, to make it smaller. We want to make it bigger. But when you look at the lives of uh, successful people, and in, this, uh, in, in my book uh, I present uh, the, the story of uh, Andrew Carnegie, who was a steel um, uh, entrepreneur. He was a steel uh, businessman. and He, he produced uh, steel in the 19th century very successfully. He became very wealthy, and uh, one of the principles he applied uh, to reduce the stress, because he was a, a person, I mean, you have to imagine the kind of problems you have to deal, because you have to deal with trade unions that in the 19th century, they were extremely aggressive. He had continuous strikes. You have to deal with uh, cutthroat uh, competition from different companies. I mean, it was really had, uh, quite a, a, an undertaking uh, to run a steel company in the 19th century. And um, one thing that uh, Carnegie did that nobody else was doing, and this I found uh, fascinating, he was the only person in his, uh, in his business 
who would did not hesitate uh, to close a complete factory if he could find uh, a better technology. I mean, he was a guy who did not have any problem uh, to throw away an investment uh, to discard uh, something he already had, because if he found a way to deploy his, uh, his uh, resources, his capital, in a way that was more efficient, he did not care uh, to lose uh, a few millions if he had found uh, a better way to make steel. And this is something that uh, his competitors didn't want to do. I mean, I remember one of the, one of the details of the story when uh, Carnegie, he built a complete factory um, to make uh, steel, and then uh, he learned that there was a better technology in Germany. There was a technology called Vesemer, which uh, can produce uh, harder steel um, um, less expensively. So he went uh, to talk to the engineers, uh, to the German engineers, and said, look, uh, you just built a factory, but uh, you are behind the times. This technology will not work. It's just uh, not competitive. So Carnegie, without hesitation, he said, look, we close down the factory and we build a new factory because uh, the technology is, uh, is uh, 30% better. So in the end, it's better to lose the, the previous investment and to go and to do things correctly from the start. So he had to fight uh, with his shareholders, but he made the right decision. And this kind of uh, creative distraction is part of success. You have to be willing uh, to stop things that are not working, even if you have been doing them for years. Even if you have been uh, achieving some success, you have to realize that when you find the right answer, when you find the right technology, when you find the right uh, market, you have to go for it and you have to, to liberate your resources by stopping investments in other areas. And this is absolutely counterintuitive. Nobody wants to do it. But we have to learn from history that uh, successful people are very flexible and they're able to recognize mistakes and they're able to say, look, this is not working, let's try something else. And this is something that I uh, have learned from, uh, from experience, from history, and I try to remind myself of this principle every single day. That's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Now, we all face conflict in our lives. It would be nice if we could find a way to make it go away, but that's probably not going to happen. You talk about surviving and even thriving in the face of conflict, so, which would really be nice. How, how can we do that? Well, um, uh, there are different techniques I present in my books to deal with conflict. And um, uh, one thing I have to tell you is that um, by far uh, the best thing that uh, I have seen in history that people do to deal with conflict is basically to ignore it. And uh, let me give you an example because um, uh, to ignore it and to avoid it. And let me give an example because uh, we try to, to prove ourselves by arguing, by saying, okay, uh, you are wrong and right, these are the right arguments, you don't understand, you have to take a look at this. But most of the time, uh, people will not change their minds. And uh, when I see someone moving very successfully in life and very um, self-confidently, you find people that most of the time they will acknowledge opposition, uh, they will acknowledge conflict, and then they will just ignore it. They will say, okay, fine, I hear, you, I hear what you say, uh, thank you for your inputs, but uh, I'm moving on. And they don't spend uh, hours and hours and hours debating uh, opposition. They just find a way uh, to do things in, um, with different people. And uh, you find this uh, in history continuously. And let me just give you a little story, a little example. Uh, look, uh, in the 17th century, 16th century, uh, one of the great uh, physicians in Europe was Paracelsus. And we know the name uh, Paracelsus because um, uh, many companies, they use it as a, as a brand or as a, as a um, uh, name for their products. 
But Paracelsus was a real person. He was uh, a great physician. He eventually um, gathered a lot of experience from, um, from the wars because he was working in the army. And eventually he got a job at the university. And he went uh, to the university from Germany. He went to, uh, to Switzerland. He went to Basel. Uh, and all his classes, they were full. I mean, he had people coming from all around Europe just to hear him talk because he was so experienced as a surgeon. And the problem is that uh, the rest of the teachers, the rest of the professors, uh, they got their classes empty because all the students wanted to go to Paracelsus and nobody wanted to go to the other professors who were very much um, uh, traditional and very much impractical. So the problem that Paracelsus is that um, he started conflict uh, with uh, the other professors because instead of ignoring them and saying, okay, fine, uh, we can, uh, all of us, we have our students and everybody has his own um, business to run. So he tried to, uh, to, uh, to, to, um, to actually to insult them and say, look, you are useless. Uh, you don't know anything. Uh, you should actually learn from me. And he created a massive amount of conflict and after one year, he was fired. Even if he was the best uh, professor ever, he was the most uh, knowledgeable uh, physician in his time. But he got into conflict with the other professors of the university. And eventually, since they were um, uh, 20 and he was just one guy, they got him fired. And he basically disappeared from history. And this kind of conflict is completely unnecessary. You have to avoid because uh, even if you're right, even if you have uh, the right answers, if you get into uh, useless conflicts uh, just to prove your point, uh, you will only make enemies, and this is a complete waste of time. So I think um, a good advice from history is that you try to avoid the conflict, you try to ignore um, this kind of criticism, you just go your own way, you don't fight with people, and you just prove uh, your point in practice by being successful. But don't you get into arguments and debates because uh, it will irritate uh, other people and you will not get anywhere. Excellent. Well, we're coming pretty much to the close of our show here. I want to uh, tell you, John, it's been a sincere pleasure having you as our guest tonight on Coaching for Real. Um, how can our listeners contact you to get more information? How can they order your books and how can they get your newsletter? Well, it's very easy. If um, Most people would just start with a newsletter because it's free and then you can take a look uh, to see if you like it. But you okay. can find everything very easily. You just type uh, my name. Uh, John Vespasian on Google, uh, John Vespasian, you will find everything very easily uh, within a second. Um, books, uh, newsletter, blog, everything is there. Just type uh, John Vespasian on Google and uh, you will find it immediately. Thanks. Thank you very much again for being on our show. I really, it's been a pleasure. Many thanks, uh, Ronald. All right. Coaching for Real is about you, real people, real challenges, real breakthrough. If you're an entrepreneur or business leader and interested in being a guest on this show, please let me know. I will be more than happy to send you some information. Again, my email address is ronald at ronaldgraves.com. Send me comments, questions, anything else that might be on your mind because I like the feedback and I want to do whatever I can to make this show even a better experience for you. So it's been my sincere pleasure to add value to you through Coaching for Real. May the Lord bless you and keep you until we meet again. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Coaching for Real today. Be sure to join Ronald Graves again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again very soon.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 